Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. this morning, get it out and go with me to Matthew chapter 18, Matthew chapter 18. Um, I've only had one cup of coffee this morning, so I know it's not the coffee, but I am feeling excited and uh, full of life and energy, uh, ready to preach this sermon. And I guess I'm hoping that somehow that'll translate and maybe uh, you'll be full of life and energy, uh, or at least your faces will show it. Uh, Matthew chapter 18 is where we're going to start today. We're in this series that we started last week that we're simply calling this I can't live like this anymore. Uh, have you ever gotten to a point in your life in any area where you're like lying in the sand, enough is enough, I can't do this anymore? Uh, this past weekend, we went on a men's uh, retreat, a men's conference, and um, we're driving home yesterday, and I hit that point. I realized that at almost 36 years old, my body no longer can handle sleep deprivation and exclusively fueling f- on fried food. And we're driving home yesterday, and I'm like, to the car, I'm like, guys, I can't live like this anymore. I, I need a vegetable. I need water. I need a protein that has not been fried. I need sleep. Like, I can't do this anymore. And we all get to points in life, right, where in one area or another, we just go, I can't do it anymore. It's too much. It's enough. I'm, I'm drawing a line in the sand. And really, this series, it's, it's about relationships, And it's about the reality that uh, relationships are one of the most precious gifts that God has given us. I mean, there's not many things in life that are more valuable and more precious than the relationships that God has given us. I heard someone say one time, and I don't know if it's the truth, but I think there's a truth in it. He said, you know, when God wants to bless you, he sends you a friend. And when God really wants to bless you, he doesn't always send you you know, more, more cash, more, when God really wants to bless you, God brings a relationship. God brings the right person at the right time. And while it may not be the truth, I think there's a truth in that, that relationships are so incredibly valuable. And yet relationships are one of those things that they can kind of become disposable in our life because there's always opportunity for offense, for hurt, for pain, for misunderstanding. I mean, even just thinking about it, I bet every one of us, we can think of at least two to three people that, man, we once were so close. And whether it was me or it was them, something happened that now there's, there's separation. The relationship is it's distant. It's not what it once was. And, and we, we, we subtitled this series, Healing the Hurt That's Hurting Me, because really what we have to, to, to draw a line in the sand and, and say is, like, I can't keep doing this. I I can't keep thinking about relationships like they're disposable and allowing hurt and pain and misunderstanding and offense to to once again cause me to bring separate. No, I, I need to learn how to walk in the forgiveness of God that God has first offered me. Really, it's a series about relationships, yes, but a series about forgiveness and about learning how do we walk in the forgiveness that's been made available to you and I. And Pastor Gil started the series last week. If you weren't here, I'd encourage that you, you go back and listen to that sermon because I really can't recap everything he talked about in a short amount of time, but I'll just kind of give you the highlights. We looked at a parable last week where there's this king 
And the king uh, uh, had a servant who owed him uh, like $400 billion or something just ridiculous. It was an astronomical number. And, and this man in the parable, he goes, I can't pay it back. I, 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 don't, I, I can't do it. And the Bible says the king full of compassion forgave him his debt. And then this man goes out and he finds a fellow servant. He finds a, a friend that owes him like in comparison, $35. You were just forgiven billions of dollars and he owes you $35. And, and he goes and he, he makes him pay and the man can't pay. And so he throws him in prison. And, and, and Jesus said, what, what I'm trying to express to you is that th- this, is, this is not the way God intended it. That, that, that it is absolutely unreasonable that this man would receive such an abundance of forgiveness. And yet walk around holding in comparison the smallest of debts over people's head. Jesus said, if if you're living like this, you haven't truly understood or received the forgiveness that God offers. And really the, the, the big idea we kind of laid last week is this, that forgiveness, it has a flow to it. Forgiveness has a flow. And for us to really understand and know how to walk in the forgiveness that the Bible uh, uh, commands us really to walk in, we have to get in the flow of God's forgiveness. Now, I'm going to keep on repeating myself for a second because I want you to see that everything, everything in this entire series, we're going to be looking from the lens of, of God's forgiveness, And so we're not going outside of going, no, no. When we talk about forgiveness, we talk about relationships. Everything is in this lane right here that it all starts with the flow of God's forgiveness. That that we're looking at everything from this lens. Well, hold on. How did God forgive us? How does God respond to us? How does God treat us? What does God think about relationships and, and forgiveness? Because we only have the ability to give what we've first been given. Can I get an amen? We only have the ability to extend to others what's first been extended to us. And what happens for so many people is that while we intellectually understand and know, yeah, I think somewhere in the cosmos, like God forgives me, but we really haven't experienced and we really haven't put, put ourselves or, or, or allowed God to, 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 to forgive us the way that God desires And because we're not in the flow, we just can't give to other people what we haven't received. And everything in this whole series, it starts with going, there's a flow to forgiveness. No, no, there's a divine flow that I cannot give what I haven't received. Pastor, you talked about this last week, that the word forgiveness, uh, there's two different words for it in the New Testament. And the first one, it literally just does mean to cancel the debt to forgive someone of a debt, to cancel a debt, to, to release someone from an imprisonment, to no longer hold, hold this against them. But the other word used in the New Testament for forgiveness is better translated the word grace. And, and, and what we see in the New Testament is that, yes, God commands us to, to walk in forgiveness, but it's only possible in the flow of his grace. This is not something that we are, all right, hey, for, for five weeks or however long the series is, we're going to talk about how to just do our best to just, just be a better person. And no, we're, we're saying we can't do it in our own strength. We don't have the ability. We need the grace, the flow of God's empowerment through our life to enable us to do it. And today, as we continue in our series, 
We're going to talk about today uh, how, to, how to walk in forgiveness, but really what the goal, what the goal is. And, and I'll tell you, the, the goal is probably different than maybe you're thinking about it right now. And the goal of this sermon is to help us to see that the goal of forgiveness, it's not who's right and who's wrong, but rather it is reconciled and restored relationship. Matthew chapter 18, starting in verse uh, 20, uh, or rather 21. I'm reading from the New King James Version. If you don't have that version, not a big deal. But Matthew chapter 18, starting in verse 21, it is a conversation that Peter, one of Jesus' disciples, has with Jesus. And it goes like this. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times. And Jesus said to him, no, I don't say to you up to seven times, but 70 times Seven. It's only two verses. Let's, let's read it one more time and just let this sink in a little bit. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, master, ruler, question for you. How many times do I let someone offend me? How many times shall my brother, my friend, my coworker, how many times shall someone sin against me and I forgive him? I, I, have you ever asked a question before and you're asking a question not because you really want an answer, but because you're kind of trying to like prove that you, like you, you already know? He goes, up to seven times. It's pretty big. It's pretty good. Hey, hey Jesus, t- speaking of forgiveness, question for you. Uh, how many times should we forgive someone? Maybe seven? And Jesus responds in verse 22 and says, no. I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. 70 times seven. I'm titling the sermon this morning this, if you're taking notes. Stop counting. Uh, Look look at your neighbor and just tell them very enthusiastically, emphatically, say, hey, stop counting. Come on, look at your neighbor, just stop counting. If your neighbor happens to be your spouse, that may have started an argument, and I apologize. Um... Have you ever just maybe lost perspective before and made something a really big deal? In the grand scheme of things, it just wasn't a big deal. You ever done this before? Um, Emotions are funny things, aren't they? Because emotions have a way of causing us to just lose perspective. Emotions have a way of causing us to completely lose perspective. Uh, I heard someone say one time, they, they said, never make a permanent decision based on passing emotions. They said, never make a permanent decision when you are tired, when you are hungry, (laughs) or when you are angry. No, go get a good night's sleep, get a good meal, cool off. And why? Because emotions of any kind, they just have a way of causing us to lose perspective and forget about what really actually matters. Um, I don't know if you have any hobbies that you really, really love. Um, I love playing golf. Now, let me just say full disclosure, I'm a really bad golfer. Like, I'm not good at golf at all. In my head, I'm a great golfer. Uh, that's why I keep playing golf, because every time I'm like, all right, today's the day. No, I, I watched three YouTube videos. I saw an Instagram clip. I now know what my problem is. Today will be the, but the reality is I'm just bad at golf. Um, but, but I am better than some of my friends, and that's all that matters. Uh, and so I, I went and played play golf with some friends and, uh, it, it, it was all in good fun, but I, I have one friend that he, he, he just likes to joke. And so we go to hit some balls, you know, before our tea time or go to the driving range. And I noticed that he didn't bring any golf clubs with him. 
And, and rather, he went and found a chair, and, and he sat right behind me. And just the whole time, wow, that was a bad swing. Ooh, you, you bringing that one out to the course? Ooh, you, you're going to have, and he was just, just talking. Now, I'm allowing Jesus to work on my heart, but I will admit to you, I'm way too competitive. And so I, I, I couldn't let it go. So we're, 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 you know, at the driving range. And in my mind, I remember telling myself, you're not good at golf, buddy, but you're better than this guy. So you're going to ride in his cart. And when you destroy him today, you will let him know. And, and so again, I, I, I get lucky sometimes, but I happen to be playing pretty decent. And, and, and I, I was beating this guy really, really good. And so I just started letting him know. I'm just, I'm, I'm reminding, hey, what's, where, where's all the energy you had at the driving range? Bring that in. And I'm just, I'm talking. And, and I remember, uh, all, all in good fun, but I remember watching him just the posture changed. And, and I, I, I remember watching him kind of just seem like he just got deflated. And I can still remember exactly where we were when, when, when I had the realization, oh, you... You, you, you lost perspective, buddy, B- because you were so distracted by proving yourself right, by b- that, that you forgot that really the goal and what matters is relationship. Oh, we have such a tendency, don't we, in, in the heat of a moment, in a circumstance, in a situation where we allow emotion to, to overwhelm us, and we forget that the goal, it's not who's right or wrong often, the goal is restored and right and reconciled relationship. I'm telling you, I've had a front row seat to marriages that end, to friendships that dissolve, to ministry partnerships, people that God brings together because he wants to use them in a significant way that just explode. Why? Because, because both parties go, nope, I'm right, I'm right, you're wrong. I'm right, you're wrong. And all of a sudden, the goal of forgiveness is keeping score. The goal of forgiveness is settling accounts and it's who's right and who's wrong, not reconciled, restored, and right relationship. Jesus is is speaking to Peter in Matthew chapter 18. And what you may or may not know is that in the law, in the Talmud, in the Old Testament, the, 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 the law said this, that you have to forgive someone three times, three times. Hey, you get three chances. Maybe that's where baseball got it. I don't know. Three strikes and you are out. And Peter, maybe trying to inflate his own ego, goes, hey, Jesus, question for you. How many times shall I forgive my brother who sins against me? Hey, guys, seven times, that's more than double. And, and Jesus goes, no, man, you, you clearly don't understand the, the kingdom and the culture and what, what I'm doing right now on the earth. Not seven times, but seven times 70. Now, now in case in your, your brain, you're getting your calculator and you're like, okay, so mathematically, how, how many? The point wasn't the mathematical equation. No, Peter would have understood very clearly that this number seven is the number of completion. And what Jesus very clearly cult, uh, culturally was helping him to see is no, the, the amount of times it is infinite. 
That you, you should walk in forgiveness and forgive your brother who offends you an unlimited amount of times. The forgiveness you should expend, it is limitless. Now, remember, it's why I kind of made a big deal of it at the beginning, because that doesn't really compute in, in our brain. No, I'm, I'm about keeping score. I'm, that, that, that seems unreasonable. But remember, our whole lens and the lane in which we are viewing, the, it is through the, the, the lens of God's forgiveness towards us. And, and the reason that we are to have an unlimited amount of grace and mercy is because this is the way that God treats us. Uh, so if you're taking notes, when you get this first thought this morning, it simply is this. And the reason we're walking or the reason we view forgiveness this way is because, number one, write this down, God's forgiveness is limitless. God's forgiveness is limitless. And now I'm, I'm going to apologize. Um, I want to take you through just re- really quickly, it will be quickly, five different passages in the Bible. Not really passages, five different Bible verses, rather. And, and I want to paint a picture for you this morning in case you forgot or in case no one's ever helped you to, to see this of what God's forgiveness towards you and I looks like. I want to give you five verses that you can write down, five verses you can put in your pocket that paint for you and I a picture of the way God relates to us. The first one is this, Psalm 103, verse 3. Listen to what the Bible says. David, he's, he, he's writing, he's going, oh, 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 Saul, bless God. Hey, I know you're tired. I know you had a long day yesterday, but come on, get stirred up. And he he goes, remember all of God's benefits. And the first thing he says in verse three is this, who forgives all, someone say all, All. who forgives all your iniquities and who heals all your diseases. David writes and says, oh God, you are so good. You're so kind. You're so gracious that you don't forgive some of my sins. You, you, you don't have limits and boundaries in that way. You don't forgive some of or, or you forgive all of my sins. You forgive all of my sins. And I love this. He goes, not only do you forgive my sins, but you come close to me and you heal all the brokenness. What, what, what a picture because have you ever forgiven someone because you have to before? Like, like this is, in, in, in my household, we got four, four small children, nine, seven, five, and two, and I'm constantly saying, hey, say you're sorry. And, and usually the interaction right now is like, sorry. No, 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 no. With a good attitude. Sorry. And, and, and I love on the other side, it's always like, Like, like I, I can see in the rearview mirror what is happening right now. It's like, I, I forgive you. But, but we're like this in our heart, though, sometimes, aren't we? All right, fine, I forgive you. But don't you? And the Bible goes, no, remember, God, he, he forgives all of our sins. And he comes close to us. And he's concerned about the brokenness on the inside. The Bible says this in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. If we confess our sins to God, if we come to him and we go, oh, God, I'm, I missed it. The Bible says he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Here's what I love about the scripture. That the Bible says when we come to God and go, God, I missed it. 
God, I, I, I need forgiveness, that he is faithful, meaning he does it every single time. When I'm in a good mood, I'll forgive anybody. When I'm in a bad mood, I'm forgiving nobody. The Bible goes, no, God's not like that. He is faithful, meaning every single time without fail, he faithfully forgives all of our sins. But he doesn't just do that, but he cleanses us of unrighteousness. Again, you ever forgiven someone before verbally because you had to, but you still look at them the same way? You still talk about them the same way? You still get the same bitter taste in your mouth when they, the Bible goes, no, God, he, he forgives us, yes. But then he cleanses us. He washes us of all of our sin. I love this Hebrews 10, 14. It says this, for by one offering, he has perfected, pause for a second. That word perfective, it just means to like be made righteous or to be made right. That by one sacrifice, by what Jesus has done forever, he has given us the identity of right before him. You might say, Brandon, how is that possible? Um, th- this is just off the top of my head an illustration, so forgive me for how clumsy this is. Um, but there are two tea bags in this cup uh, because my throat was a little sore this morning. And, and you can see the back, so it's not really a great illustration. But if you were just to be looking at this cup, you, you don't see those two tea bags, you see the cup. The Bible says that when, when Jesus did what he did on the cross, and when we came into relationship with him, that we became covered. We are now in Christ. And so when God looks at you, he does not see you, but he sees his perfected son, Jesus. Part of the reason the Bible says that love covers, and love doesn't cover up, we'll get into that, but no, love covers. Love, love protects. Text. Love, 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 doesn't, love doesn't gossip. Love doesn't, no, love covers. The Bible says by one offering, God has forever covered us. And he sees us and thinks about us and views us as perfected, as righteous. Even though the word sanctified just means you're a work in progress, even though you're still a work in progress. Hey, even though you are now consistently continuing, like you're still missing it because you're a work in progress, God does not see you relate to you except by what Jesus has done. The Bible says this Lamentations chapter three, verse 22, that uh, uh, the, the Lord's mercies or through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed. Through the Lord's mercy, we're, we're not consumed. The mercy is simply when you don't give someone what they deserve. Um, this is not great parenting. Uh, we're working on it. But my son, the other day, he goes, dad, you know what I've noticed? What's that, buddy? That like when we get in trouble in the car and you say that, you know, you're going to give us a punishment. If it's a long enough car ride, you forget about it by the time we get home. (laughs) Facts. I got to do a better job at that. But, but it's like mercy is when you don't get what you deserve. This is what you deserve, but God, I'm, I'm not, I'm not treating you the way you deserve. See, grace is when you get what you don't deserve. Mercy is when you don't get what you do deserve. The Bible goes through his mercy, we're not consumed. Because his compassions fail not. Oh, they are new every morning. I love Hebrews 4, 16. It says, let us therefore come boldly. 
to the throne room of grace. What is grace? It's the unearned, undeserved, unmerited love and blessing and favor and, and all of God's provision he freely gives to us. Notice the Bible goes, do you know what the culture? Do you know what the environment? Do you know what the atmosphere of God's throne room is? It is not judgment and anger. It's, it's grace. The Bible says we can boldly come to God in, in the atmosphere of his generosity, of his kindness, of his, of his grace towards us so that we can receive or obtain mercy and find grace when we need it. Now, we, we could take more time on all of these verses, but let me just paint you this picture that we, that we, we, just, we just saw. God forgives all of our sins and he comes close to us because he cares about the brokenness on the inside. That every single time without fail, God, he forgives us and he washes us and cleanses us and doesn't, doesn't, doesn't hold things over our head. That, that God, he, he has mercy that is everlasting and is new every morning. That God's, his throne room, his, his whole heart and posture. It's one of generosity and grace towards you and I, that he identifies us and views us the way that we are, not the way that we behave. He, he sees not only what Jesus has, has done and covers us, but he sees the potential. The Bible says love, it believes the best. It assumes the best. This is the limitless forgiveness that God offers to you and I. This is the, the kingdom and the culture of what Jesus came to do to offer you and I a limitless, without bounds forgiveness in our time of need. And it's because of this flow, number two, you can write this down, that Jesus goes, and your forgiveness should be limitless too. Uh, Jesus, how, how many times should I should I forgive my brother who sins against me seven times? No, no. Seven times 70. In other words, the same forgiveness that has been offered and given to you, you are to extend to, to others. I heard someone say this recently. They said so much of the human condition can be summed up in this statement. Mercy for me, justice for you. M mercy for me judgment for you. But it's kind of true though, right? Like, like we want God's mercy. There's nobody in here that's like, hey God, it's me again. I'm just here to ensure, will you please give me what I deserve? No. Everyone's like, oh God, I need help. I need mercy. And, and, and the, the, the human condition, so much of it is mercy for me, but justice for you. Why? Because we view ourselves based on our intentions and we view everybody else based on their actions. I, I, I took uh, my son Graham to the park the other day. And I don't know if this woman's name was Karen, but my understanding of the, of, of the, the slang, I think that her name could have possibly been Karen. And we're, we're, we're sitting there, we're, we're playing at, at the playground, and this lady walks up and she goes, excuse me, sir. I'm like, oh, this, this soccer mom is violent. I'm like, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yes, ma'am. Did you recently get here? Yes, I'm, yeah. You left the gate open and my son almost walked out. 
my first thought was, well, good thing you weren't on your phone, I guess. Like, that's, like, that's good. She's like, you, you, and I said, oh my gosh. I said, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to. Well, you did. You left it open. Don't you know it's supposed to be, I said, oh yeah, I'm, I'm so sorry. I, I think I swung it closed, but I maybe it was just, it didn't latch. And well, you left it open. And I, I don't know if you remember that, that really old movie. Um, this is not a plug for that movie, um, but it's about a dumb guy and a dumber guy. And um, there's, a, there, there's a scene where, where they're on the road and he goes, excuse me, Mr. Perfect. I forget that you never, ever made a mistake. And in my mind, I'm like, all right, Miss Perfect. But, but what a picture, what an example, because like, I'm, I'm sure that there's probably a lot of things she's done. That, oh, that wasn't my intention. But we are so quick to judge everybody by their actions. But that wasn't my intention, though. And, and so much of our posture is mercy for me. Oh, thank you, God, for your grace and forgiveness, limitless. But justice for you. I'm keeping count, buddy. You're almost at seven. Justice for, and we, we judge ourselves by, by our intentions and others by, our, by their actions. And what Jesus is helping Peter to see is, is Peter, if you're still counting, you're not truly forgiving. If you're still keeping score, you, you, you've clearly missed the point of what I've come to do. Now, this may be where, where you go, yeah, but pastor, what about boundaries? Oh, we're, we're going to talk about boundaries. Because the Bible commands us to walk in limitless forgiveness, but the Bible does not command, rather in the opposite way, advises us about putting ourselves in relationships or places that are a danger and a harm to our heart and our mind and, and, and our well-being. Oh, we need to talk about boundaries, and we're getting there. Because there, there is biblical uh, uh, precedent and, and wisdom that says, no, you need boundaries, you need lines, you need, you need to make clear, sometimes difficult decisions to separate. But, but when it comes to the posture of the heart, what, what did Jesus say in Matthew 18? We read it last week. He said, what I'm after is that you would forgive people this way from the, the heart. From the heart, from the heart. Why? Because, because the goal, it's not who's right or wrong. The goal is reconciled, restored relationship. Let me give you this last thought today before we close. Number three, you can write this down. That the goal is not being right, but reconciliation. Now, I want to take you down a little bit of a pathway and help you to, to connect some dots for a second. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 through 21. We're going to read this whole passage uh, Paul is writing and Paul says this, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Pause for a second. J- just in that one little part of this verse, we, we got to reframe our thinking to go, oh, I'm a new creation. So I don't think about things the way I used to think about them. Oh no, I'm living in a different kingdom and by a different set of cultural rules. Th- this, is, this is a new me, not the old me. He said, therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have now become new. Now, all things are of God, listen to this, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given to us the ministry. Notice that. So all of us today who've given our life to Jesus, who are in Christ, you've actually been given a ministry assignment. Brandon, what, what do you mean ministry? 
I'm not a pastor. The word ministry just means a calling or an assignment. You, you, you could have a ministry to cook burgers if you worked at Burger King and you were the, bur- like, it's, it's just, it's a calling, it's an assignment. This is what I've been asked to do. And the Bible says, now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given to us the calling and the assignment of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, not treating them like they deserve, not holding over them, no, not imputing to them their trespasses, but, he's, uh, uh, but, but freely forgiving them. And he's committed to us the word, the message, the proclamation of reconciliation. Verse 20, now then we are actually the ambassadors of Christ. I'll never forget when I was uh, in first or second grade, I played hockey and I got on my first hockey team where my name was on the back of my jersey. I, I wore that hockey jersey every day. I, it, I, my, my name's on this thing. And I'll never forget going to church one Wednesday night and my, my grandfather was there. I said, hey, Papa, look, it's our name back there. It says Dearman. And, and I don't know why it just said, but I remember him saying, hey, all right, cool. But remember, you represent the Dearman family. You're a representative of, you care, you're carrying our name, bud. The Bible goes, we are ambassadors, representatives for Christ. As, through, as though God were pleading through our life. Think about that. As God were using our life to plead, to call out, to implore people on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Did you know the whole goal of the gospel? It's reconciliation. The whole goal of what God did through his son Jesus was reconciliation. That God so desired intimate, right, restored relationship with you and I that he gave his son as the sacrifice for the sins of the world, that through him we might once again be reconciled to God. What, 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 what was God's goal? To prove who's right and who's wrong? No. What was Jesus' goal? I'm right? No, no, no. It was people. It's relationship. It was reconciliation. This was so much of the friction that was between the religious leaders and Jesus because they were keeping count. They were keeping score and they couldn't compute why Jesus was opening his arms and his heart to people that they said were bad people because they missed the point. The goal in God's heart, it's always been reconciled relationship with us. Here's the the connection I think that we need to make. As a parent, I know the frustration. Oh, I know the frustration of loading up the minivan, spending money, taking time to go do an awesome family activity only for the kids to be at each other's throat. Everyone just be happy. Everyone stop fighting and get along. Because I don't just care about them individually, like having, like we're going as a family, as, as mu- I don't want to break your heart, but as much as God loves you, did you know that it's not all about you? As much as God cares about you, it's not all about you. 
that God, what he is doing is he is, he's reconciling his family, his kids, his creation back to himself. It's part of the reason Jesus said in John 13, 35, he says, you know, by this, by this, all will know that you are my disciples. Now, if, in, in some circles, you could just pause right there and people are like, yeah, man, probably talking about like miracles, you know? Probably talking about, you know, preaching great sermons. Probably talking about, you know, giving prophetic words and raising the dead. And, but that's not what he said. He said, by this, all will know that you've been reconciled. By this, all will know that you're a part of my, the way that you love one another. It's the way you love one another. I think about that that moment as a first, second grader, however old I was. And, and I think that why it stuck out so much, my, my grandpa saying, hey, bud, hey, you, you got our name. That's the Dearman name. You got our name on your jersey. You represent us. And he didn't articulate it this way. But, but what even as a child, I was kind of realizing he was saying is, hey, th- there's a way the Dearmans have chosen to live. Hey, there's some decisions the Deermans have made that we're, no, we're, we don't talk like that. No, we don't act like that. No, that is not, there's some culture that comes with our name. Every one of you have it. There's, there's a culture to your home. There's a, hey, hey we, we don't talk like that in this house. Hey, we're, there's a culture. And, and what we have to see is that, yes, we are ministers of reconciliation in helping people to know that God wants them reconciled to himself. But but we carry his name. We are ambassadors of Christ. And there's a culture to his kingdom. There's there's a goal that's in his heart. And it is not keeping score of who's right and who's wrong. It's reconciled and right, restored relationship. It's unity. Unity. It's love one to another. Peter goes, Jesus, how, how many times? Seven? No, bud. It's limitless. Why? Why? Because what I've come to do is to give my life that the limitless forgiveness and grace of God would flow to all people. And in that same way, I'm calling my kids to put my name on their back to go as ambassadors and to have this calling, this assignment, this ministry, not of keeping score and keeping count, but of reconciliation, of not just serving me, but demonstrating my love in a tangible way in the way they serve and relate to one another. Oh, we will talk about lines and limits and boundaries because that is so needed. But dealing with matters of the heart, oh, we got to get in the flow, my friends. We got to stop keeping scout and keeping score. No, we got to get in the flow and say, God, in the same way that you have offered to me the limitless forgiveness and mercy and grace, God, help me, empower me, enable me through your grace to extend that to other people. I know we're, we're, we're done, but I, I just, I love that Hebrews 4.16.
let us come boldly to the throne room of God's grace. Can I ask you, when people come to you, when people approach you, when people think about you, they get nervous. They unsure, like you, you never know how they're going to. Or have we allowed the, the goodness and the love and the grace and the forgiveness of Jesus to transform us in such a way? Oh man, pe- people, and I, I, I miss it, but I'm not afraid to go to so-and-so because man, they're just, they're just so generous gracious and patient, always looking to reconcile and restore, not looking to hold it over my, we got to get in the flow and say, Jesus, help me to receive fully and to know the forgiveness, the grace, the mercy of a father so that I can walk in that same way. I wish I knew how to articulate it. Maybe one day when I'm older, I'll be able to. But I can just tell you experientially that something supernatural transpires on the inside. I I can think of times where I'm just spending time thinking about and receiving and meditating on the forgiveness of Jesus and the grace of God and the mercy and all that God's done for me. And I experientially, I can just tell you, my whole posture changes towards people. My, my, my hope, I'm, I'm so quick to want to give and extend that which I have, have received. But we got to get in the flow. So the same way that God offers us limitless forgiveness, that we're able to offer others limitless forgiveness, remembering and, 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 and just getting in our heart. The goal is not keeping score. The goal is restored and right and reconciled relationships. Can I pray for you today? God, today we thank you for your word. We thank you for for the scripture and that God, you have given us your word. You've given us the scripture to teach us, instruct us and show us how to live. Lord, I pray today for every single person with the sound of my voice, including those who are watching online or those who will listen to the podcast later that, that God, you would help us to fully receive, to posture ourselves in a way, to fully receive the forgiveness, the grace, the mercy of God that flows limitless. And I pray that God, as we get in that flow, that you would help us to reorient and reposture ourselves towards others, that we would extend the forgiveness and the grace, the mercy of God in a limitless capacity. Lord, I pray today that you would even right now begin to change the posture of our heart, change the posture of our perspective, that in any area where we're keeping count, in any area where we're keeping score, that that the posture would change and we would say, oh no, God, I'm not keeping count. I'm not keeping score. My goal, it is restored and right and reconciled. I'm a minister. I've got an assignment of reconciliation. Lord, I pray you'd empower us. You'd help us to live this out. You'd help us to apply this to our day tomorrow and the days and weeks to come. And you'd keep helping us to be ambassadors and representatives of Christ in a way that changes and transforms the world we're a part of in Jesus' name. Hey, this morning as we close our service, will you stand to your feet with me? And can we take just five minutes and respond to God in worship, respond to God in prayer and thank Him for speaking to us, thank Him for what He's doing today. for listening. 
To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.